Hi there, a quick note before we begin the episode. Did you know that Atlas Lingue has its own audiobook with exclusive and brand new material? It's called Atlas Lingue, the layers of language behind everyday life. In this audiobook, we share additional exclusive commentaries on each episode with brand new insights and examples on the subject that we can't stop thinking about, how humans translate everything that comes their way. Also remember, when you buy Ochenta's audiobooks, you're directly supporting our independent audio series productions. So find Atlas Lingue, the layers of language behind everyday life, on Libro.fm, Apple Books, Google Play, Storytel, BookBeat, and on your favorite audiobooks app. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Salut! Hi, I speak English and French. Ciao, parlo italiano e inglese. So the other day, a funny thing happened while I was texting a friend. Hi, Wei Shu. How is life going in Beijing? Question mark. Hmm, sounds a bit dry. Let me try again. Hi, Wei Shu. Waving hand emoji. How is life going in Beijing? Question mark. Oh, there's his reply. I'm doing fine here, but why are you waving me goodbye? Waving goodbye? Who said I'm waving you goodbye? Let me text him again. Well, I just meant hi, waving hand emoji. Oh, there he is again. You shouldn't text the waving hand emoji to a Chinese friend. Here it means you want to break off the friendship. Oh boy, I did it again. I innocently cooked up another recipe for a translation disaster. I'm so used to texting emojis to my Western friends that I always thought they meant the same across the world. After all, the ingredients are the same on everybody's keyboard, from the Chinese to the Danish one, aren't they? After all, we all have the same ones on all of our keyboards no matter if it's in Chinese or in Danish, right? Welcome to Atlas Lingue, the show where we talk about languages, about the joyful, the challenging, and the joyfully challenging aspects of everyday communication. I'm Luis Lopez, and today we're going to talk about emojis. Yes, emojis. Those little pictorial icons we can find on the keyboard of our phones that spread a universal language of their own. 
or at least that's the common knowledge. For the uninitiated, emojis are the offspring of emoticons. I can still remember when I used to add a few keyboard characters at the end of a sentence to express my emotions. Or sometimes just to look cool. Semicolon, close parentheses. I always sort of assumed that the graphic nature of emojis made them universal, you know? But thanks to my Chinese friend Wei Shu, I've had this sudden epiphany. That is, I should keep in mind that some particular emojis are not universally accepted. Turns out, in some countries in South America and Southern Europe, for example, the horn emoji is a lucky sign, and it is used to avoid the evil eye and bad luck. But it also has a second meaning. When the horn emoji is directed at a particular person in these countries, it means that the person's partner has cheated in their relationship. Oh, and never send the thumbs up emoji to friends living in Nigeria, Afghanistan, Iraq, and Iran. It means sit on it, which is quite obviously a very obscene gesture. I'm quite disappointed in myself. Although I like to call myself a nerdy linguist, I never gave emojis enough thought. I sort of took it for granted that different cultures would read them the same way. But you know what? I'm gonna rectify this. Right now. So, in the next 20 or so minutes, I'll pick the brains of experts trying to figure out a few things. Is emoji a language? Will we ever have a universal graphic language that encompasses grammar constructs? And how do emojis evolve? Apparently, I'm not the only one who believes that emojis are the Esperanto of the 21st century. A brief online research revealed that, over time, some brands elevated emojis to the status of language, creating some marketing disasters. At Chevrolet, we are building our global Chevy brand and find new roads... Take Chevrolet, for example. Back in 2016, they took it a bit too far. When announcing the launch of their cruise model, they decided it would be fun to put out their press release written entirely in emoji form. Let's just say the journalists who had to decipher it weren't huge fans of this gimmick. I guess just because the language of emoji has transcended some cultural barriers doesn't mean that brands should automatically assume that all their customers are fluent speakers. Even if some emojis are pretty easy to decipher. So we have um, a category of gesture that is all about um, illustrative and iconic representations of physical things. And so if you're talking about a day at the beach, there's lots of beach-based emoji to illustrate that with. If you're talking about going to the cinema, you can illustrate that with a ticket and some popcorn. Um, and then there are emoji that are used for um, pointing or drawing attention to something. And that's very much in parallel with the pointing or diactic gestures that we see people doing here with their hand, with their extended index finger, or, you know, you can point with a, a tilt of your head or with a glance. Lauren Gaughan is a linguist based at La Trobe University in Australia. She studies how people use language, whether that's words or gestures or emojis. So the next time I want to talk to Wei Shu about 
say, a day at the beach. I can speak emoji. Yay! And I must say I'm much more fluent in emoji than in Mandarin. But as my Chinese friend taught me, we should never take for granted that emojis don't have borders. So a lot of the set of emoji images has a lot of Japanese and Western influence because uh, it's a character set that started in Japan and then was encoded by American tech companies. And so you see a lot of very culturally specific emoji that can be misinterpreted or differently interpreted or creatively interpreted uh, to be more charitable about it. Lauren tells me an anecdote that makes me realize something new. Their meaning evolves from generation to generation. We see miscommunication and cultural conflict in the existing set of emojis, which by no means cover all the potential human communication features that we might want to communicate to each other. You know, I'm a... I'm teaching a class full of undergraduates and I've learned to stop using the face with tears of joy because my students don't resonate with that anymore. They think it's very uh, fake and something an old person would use. And so I, I'm happy to accept that I'm an old person, but I'm also happy to modify my communication for my students. So that's not a good start for a universal language if we can't even agree between generations as to what each of the emojis mean. As a millennial myself, I feel for you, Professor Gon. You're not alone. So we've busted the universality myth for good. Emojis simply aren't the best for cross-cultural communication, nor do they necessarily work across generations. By the way, just in case you were wondering, if you're texting Gen Z kids and you want to say something is funny, Use the skull emoticon. It means dead. Get it? Oh, but watch out. Don't be too eager with it because it may come across as a how do you do fellow kids moment. But I'm still convinced emojis could be a good lingua franca. If we think about it, not even English is universal. You won't get the same thing if you order chips in the US or in the UK. And language evolves all the time. Did you know that the word nice used to mean silly, foolish, simple? Far from the compliment it is today. So maybe emojis are a language. Why wouldn't they be? Emojis don't meet any of the tests that we use to decide what is a language. They don't have um, rules of grammar. There's no grammatically correct or incorrect way to use emojis. We don't see parents teaching, well, not even teaching, we just don't see children acquiring emoji from their parents um, in the way that we do with a, a fully formed grammatical language. In that, Professor Gon says they're more similar to gestures. Gestures are made without things like syntax and sentence structure and rules. They tend to be more um, holistic in their meaning. There's no real ungrammatical gestures, just in the way that there's no real ungrammatical usage of emojis. The way we see people using emojis is much more like um, 
gestures and facial expressions and intonation in um, spoken communication. And that makes so much sense. We've had, you know, ever since humans started using language, we've had informal conversation, face-to-face -face language. I use emojis this way all the time. I mostly use them in messages that aren't meant to be taken too seriously. But I had never considered that emojis could work as a digital version of raising an eyebrow, or rolling your eyes, or rubbing your thumb and fingers to mean money, or pretending to sign a piece of paper in the air when you ask for the check at a restaurant. Basically, no words are needed to get the message. And the really nice thing about thinking about emojis as the gestural equivalent for written language is it explains a lot of the reasons why the way we see people use emoji isn't the way that we see people use language because that's what the written component's doing. Okay, I get it now. Emojis currently aren't a universal means of communication. Just a way to mimic gestures in the digital sphere. But what about the future? Emojis are basically codified drawings. Imagine if emojis evolve so much that they become a means of communication that transcends language. The iconic nature of emoji, much like the iconic nature of gesture, makes it a really great resource for doing a bare minimum of communication. But normally, that bare minimum of communicating with people, if you're in a room of 10 people and you all speak 10 different languages, you might figure out together that someone's hungry or that you're tired through gesture or emoji. You might be able to kind of get by day to day. But those initial stages of communication aren't going to involve you know, in-depth philosophical discussion about the nature of language and online communication, or... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, you know, any existential discussions about religion or um, philosophy. And so setting the bar at communication is a pretty low bar actually compared to what happens when you have people who can speak a common language and share that more abstract understanding? And that's where it's not to say that emoji will never do that because I don't want to predict the sci-fi future where humans and aliens meet and they only have emoji in common and create 
the start of a language through that? Uh, Professor Gon is determined to kill my dreams here. But we finally agree on something. That would be a great sci-fi short story that we'd absolutely love to read. With the help of a special dictionary, the full emoji list compiled by the Unicode Emoji Subcommittee. So emojis are actually, would you believe, a highly regulated entity. What uh, emojis get created and added to our emoji keyboards that can be added in line with text is actually dictated by a body called the Unicode Consortium. This is Keith Brony. He's the Deputy Emoji Officer of Emojipedia.org. Founded in 2013, the site documents emoji usage trends, emoji usage cases, and emoji design variations. The Unicode Consortium actually looks after the encoding of text-based characters across the entire globe and across a variety of different languages and scripts, and has done for several decades now. They create a document referred to as the Unicode Standard that digital device creators uh, and, say, app developers, messaging developers uh, should adhere to if they want to guarantee that scripts across the globe can be represented properly across all sorts of different digital devices, and that includes emojis as well. And when emojis are created, what happens is that proposals are sent to Unicode's emoji subcommittee. And these proposals can be from any member of the public across the entire globe. So can I submit a wave emoji that wouldn't be an insult to my friend in Beijing? We have individual submissions, we have, uh, you know, companies putting through submissions, and oftentimes as well we see the various uh, device manufacturers that, um, you know, have emoji keyboards on their platforms, such as Apple, such as Google. Each of these have uh, representative members in Unicode. Many of them also sit on the emoji subcommittee, and then they will have proposals about where they think the emoji keyboard should go and be expanded into. I kind of suspect the Emoji Committee is trying to do the opposite of creating a universal language. Their aim is to create a space that can allow everyone in the world to be able to use their own language on phones and computers. But fortunately, there's a bright side to this, as there is an increasing effort to have emojis represent as many identities as possible. Uh, We also now on our emoji keyboard have a large number of emojis dedicated to certain accessibility-based concepts. So people in manual wheelchairs, in motorized wheelchairs, people using, um, you know, a variety of different other accessibility tools. Um, Those were proposed by members of Apple. But these proposals get uh, reviewed by the emoji subcommittee. They get uh, published on the Unicode website. They get considered for quite a period of time. And then each year, a certain batch of emojis are recommended by the emoji subcommittee to be included in the next version of the Unicode standard. If those are all accepted, then they eventually start making their way to our various devices, emoji keyboards. And it depends then on the device manufacturer or the emoji vendor, as we call them, at Emojipedia, when they are going to support the brand new emojis. I kind of feel like checking the latest editions on Emojipedia 
can be even more fascinating than reading the newest words in the Oxford English Dictionary. And it's great to see emojis gradually change and recognize racial and gender identities, as well as challenging stereotypes. An example that comes to mind there is an emoji that was previously referred to as information desk person. Now, previously, on Apple devices, this information desk person emoji was rendered as a woman. Um, now, in, in recent years, most emojis that do not specify gender, such as the information desk person, have been given a more gender neutral presentation across pretty much every emoji platform. Now, as the emoji designs changed over time, we saw that that emoji changed first from being a woman presented uh, with kind of a very, very light skin tone to having the kind of now um, designed to be neutral yellow skin tone. Of course, people are using emojis not just to represent emotions, but to represent themselves as well. And the best part is, there's no limit to the diversity they can represent. Uh, but I would love to see um, better means of representation in that space if a solution can be developed. Um, because we have seen, based on requests for different you know, um, hairstyles, such as you know people who happen to have red hair, who happen to have beards, who happen to you know, have no hair or have uh, kind of gray hair but don't happen to be elderly. People are using emojis to represent themselves quite often in their messaging. And alongside cultural objects, any um, emojis that can be added that make more people feel that they can reflect themselves in the emoji keyboard are welcome. Couldn't have said it better myself. After all, I think we've all had a moment when we said, hey, there should be an emoji for that. At least I know one person who did. Her name is Rayuf Alhumedhi. Around September 2016, I was in Berlin at the time, in my room, realizing that there was no hijab emoji. And the way that kind of you know, realization came about was I was texting with my friends and we created a group chat with one another and each of us decided to use an emoji to represent ourselves. Rayuf is a junior at Stanford University studying product design and economics. And I was like, I feel like I, the world perceives me as somebody who wears a headscarf and I kind of view myself as that. So I was like, okay, let me put the guy wearing the turban and the regular girl emoji and an arrow intertwining the two to kind of like make peace with the fact that there isn't anything. Or I just like go through every social media and pull out screenshots of people saying, oh my God, why is there no hijab emoji? And I found like so many comments, so many tweets about it. She didn't feel represented. And so she founded the Hijab Emoji Project. Her purpose gaining digital representation for Muslim women around the world. And this is how she did it. And I realized, I saw something on a Snapchat story that said, hey, you want to create your own emoji? Submit a proposal to Unicode Consortium. I sat down over like a weekend, wrote down a seven-page proposal to why I think a hijab emoji is something that should exist. I felt like 
any time Muslim women were being talked about was never in a good light and even and it was rarely with women Muslim women in the conversation so I thought like this is you know a small way to put my mark in the representation of hijabi women a part of my pitch is like why do we need four different stages of a mailbox like a mail putting being put into the mailbox there's four different spaces for that but not one to represent like at least 300 million women who wear the headscarf and this is just like a number on top of my head and i got a response within three days from a woman called jennifer eight lee who like now kind of serves as my mentor in a lot of the things i do um and she was like hey Ryuf, this is really cool um i'm actually like had it, wanted to work on this i think she had somebody want like wanting to work on this as well we really were able to build like a campaign for this basically like a pitch trail around the world like i talked to so many media outlets just to push for it um and yeah that's that's kind of they were like i worked very closely with the unique consortium team So, if you don't feel represented enough, you can decide to submit your own emoji to the Unicode Consortium, just like Rayouf. And a year after she submitted her proposal, in November 2017, she saw her idea come to life. And it felt... amazing. So, this is how the emoji dictionary works. Just like with regular dictionaries, the vocabulary of digital gestures keeps on expanding. Even though, to my dismay, emojis may not be a language. And it will probably never become the universal graphic language I wished for either. One that encompasses grammar constructs and language barriers. But their usage does evolve in time. The skull you use to indicate death in the past will mean you're dying laughing in the future. And this will grow even more as emojis continue to be used beyond our everyday messaging. Take, for example, the cover of Drake's latest album, Certified Loverboy, an artwork by Damien Hirst that consists of 12 pregnant women emojis in different skin tones. The image led to fans theorizing about its meaning and concluding that it was a reference to the album being released on Labor Day weekend, nine months after it had been postponed. Clearly, emojis can carry meaning far beyond the literal people, places, and things they represent. And while our emoji vocabulary expands, it becomes a space that mirrors new objects, up-and-coming trends, and the different usages of gestures. A space where all cultures feel included. And this sounds like a good enough utopia to me. Thank you for listening to Atlas Lingui. If you're new to the series, catch up with our previous episodes. I'm Luis Lopez, and it has been a pleasure to accompany you on this journey. Special thanks to our guests Lauren Gaughan, Keith Brony, and Rayouf Alhumedhi. Production and theme by Studio Ochenta. Sound design by Chiara Santella. Senior producer, Glitzia Sala. Assistant producers, Haley Choi, Leo Ibanez, Leia Zipstein, and Clark Marchese. For more information on Atlas Lingue, a Studio Ochenta original series and podcast, visit ochentastudio.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ochenta Podcasts. 
Our podcast is available on CastBox, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, it's Luis here, and I want to tell you about a show we've been listening to called The Pulso Podcast. There are a lot of podcasts that cover Latino culture and news, but this is one of the first we've heard that really utilizes the throughline of history to provide more context and nuance to our stories. From the halls of Congress to the stages of Broadway, even the food we consider to be American, Latinos helped build this country. And we're not going anywhere. Yet most podcasts are still lacking Latino representation behind and in front of the mic. The Pulso Podcast is a Latina-hosted, Latina-produced show that explores untold stories and unheard voices shaping the experiences of nuestra gente. They've covered topics from beauty standards and gender equality to mental health and food origins. And did you know that there is an official Spanish version of the Star-Spangled Banner? Or that a team of Mexican lawyers changed the future of segregation laws in the 50s? To hear more, Check out the Pulso podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.